Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to This Thing Called Life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and thank you so much for listening, and I hope you are doing well. I have two amazing guests with me today who have a beautiful connection that was formed a few years ago, so I'm excited that they're here to share their story and that you will be able to learn more about them. And just a few quick reminders, Life Center's Community Breakfast, the virtual edition, will be November 17th from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's free, it's open to the public, and when you register, you will receive the 2022 Life Center calendar. You can register at lifepassiton.org. And let me tell you, you don't want to miss this amazing program. We will be sharing wonderful phenomenal, miraculous donation stories, and we will honor some of the wonderful people in our community doing the work to save, change, and enhance lives through organ, eye, and tissue donation. So please visit lifepassiton.org to get more information and to register. Also, November is National Donor Sabbath. Um, It's actually November 19th through 21st, but you know what? We observe it the whole month of November. And this is a time where people of all faiths highlight donation within their places of worship. Did you know that all major religions support donation as a final act of giving? So please visit lifepassiton.org for more information or to get your house of worship involved and learn more. So with that, please join me in welcoming Miss Sarah Green and Miss Renee Page to the show. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I'm so, so glad that you could come on with us today. It's been way too long since we've seen each other. So I'm just, I'm so delighted just to see, see your beautiful faces. And I'm just grateful that we have this time together and that our listeners can learn more about your journey. So with that, tell us what brought you two together back in 2018. The call. We received the call. The call. Okay. So let's talk about that. You know what? And added to that, I'm going to say fate. Fate. Yes. Agreed. Brung us two together because who knew once we both received that telephone call? Because mm-hmm. Renee was at the hospital f- before I was, okay, and she recognized me, recognized me as being possible the the other person when I got off the elevator, mm-hmm. and it's like wow, because I never thought I know for me I never thought that I would end up going through this process with someone. I was feeling alone. Yes, I really was. I was feeling alone, especially since my mother had passed prior to me Mm. having the transplant. Mm. So it was like, oh, heck, you know, no, I'm not. My mother sent me Renee. That was your angel. Yes, my mother sent me Renee. And it was like when I was in the waiting room and my sister and I was sitting there and she stepped off the elevator. 
I said, we're going to be connected. We're going to be connected. And wow. I said, I, I bet she has the other kidney. When she came in, uh, we talked and she was there for a transplant as well. And that's when we found out we were connected. And so just to kind of pull this together for our listeners, you both received kidney transplants from the same donor. From the same donor. Yeah. Wow. Our surgeries took place on the same day at the same time. Wow. And we both waking up like where she at. Oh, and you just, and you know, what I, what I know about both of you is you both have a tremendous faith, a faith in God and a belief in God. And so I just, you know, Renee, as you're kind of sharing the story, it just gives me chills because it's like, you knew, you just, yeah, you knew that this was your, this was that elevator. I knew. Wow. So talk to me a little bit about what brought you to that place of needing kidney transplants. Renee, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, um, I had lupus Mm -hmm. and lupus is what caused my renal failure. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed in 2004. I went into renal failure in 2014. Mm. And, uh, and lupus seems to be a disease from what I'm coming to understand it, it, it seemingly affects African-American women the most. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, that is the case. And it was, it was, it was hard. It was very hard because we didn't realize that my doctors at the time, what was going on with me. I was going through different changes within my health, loss of hair, loss of weight, And I kept going back and forth to the doctors and no one could really diagnose what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I started getting like sores in my ears and uh, Mm -hmm. my tongue would turn black. Oh, my goodness. And when I went in to see my dermatologist, because I went to the hairdresser and they were shampooing my hair and it felt like they had razor blades when it was shampooing. And after that, I had to go to the dermatologist and they did a biopsy. And that's how I found out I had lupus. Okay. Okay. And so you said you went into renal failure in about 2014? Yes. Were you on Um, dialysis? uh, Yes. I was on dialysis for what was that? Three years. Okay. Prior to your transplant. Yes. I know that, that just, that sounds like a a tough road. It was very difficult. Okay. So turning to you, Sarah, talk a little bit about what brought you to that place of needing a transplant. Well, around 2014, (laughs) 2014, my primary physician at that time was saying that, um, he wanted to watch my, my renal function. And I'm looking at him like, why? <laughs> and, and he said, I just want to watch it. And I'm like, okay. So I mean, that was about September. By December, he was like, Sarah, I mean, you're going to have, we have to have a talk because 
the functionality of your kidneys is not good. And I'm looking at him and I'm saying, what do you mean the functionality of my kidneys are not good? Because I go to the bathroom all the time. I'm, I'm a running faucet. <laughs> and he did just what you did. He saw, he's, I'm, I'm like, this is why I missed you ladies. <laughs> You know, so I'm like, I'm not understanding. He says, no, he's, he's like, you know, that that may be true. But when I do your blood work and I'm looking at your creatinine and, and things, it's, it's not good. So and at this point is it's telling me that your functionality at that particular time, he told me my my functionality of my kidneys was at 30 percent. And I'm like, no, I'm looking at him like you're a quack. You're like, I'm good. I, I'm good. I, I mean, like I said, I'm a running fast. And right. then and then for me to hear that. I'm breaking down. Mm. I started closing down. I started shutting down because I wasn't hearing mm. him. Mm-hmm. I was not hearing what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So mm. it took him a year to catch me. <laughs> it took him a year to catch me. So around 15, um, that's when I started, you know, and, and at that point, I, that's when I found out that my mom was, you know, she was, was sick and stuff. And so, you know, so I'm like, oh, whatever. But then I come to realize a person that who had been in the medical field, hard-headed people that work in the medical field, I'm just saying that, you know, anything can happen to me at any time. And so, and that was a result of type 2 diabetes and hypertension. Now, did you have a family history of diabetes and hypertension? My grandmother and mother, type 1. Okay, so yeah. And hypertension. Okay. And so... Me, I'm like, oh, so I get type two, mm-hmm. but I still I, had to type hypertension. Okay. So, and that's why I, I, it was really important for me to have both of you on to, to, to share your story with transplant, but also I think it is so important. I think so often the black community, our community, they don't want to talk about particularly it's this issues with the kidney. It's like, and I feel fine. I'll just kind of put it to the side and I'm not going to tell yes. anybody. And yes, and it, it's, it is a silent killer. It, it really is. is. Because so, like I said, it took a year. Right. You and this man, I ran for a year. Right. And this man sat me down and looked me in my face. And Andy, he said, you ain't running no more. Thank God. Thank God. And I'm looking at his little baby self like, man, I can take you. <laughs> I'm going to go all 513 on you. I can take you. But but to look at the sincerity that was coming, it it was like, okay, okay. I can't run no more. The fact that he did that, you know. I mean, he looked at me like, I'm looking at him like I can take you. And he's looking at me like I can take you too. So come on, we're getting ready to do this. You know, Dr. Trans did not play with me. That's good. You know, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And then that made me snap out of it because that reality that I have formulated for myself was not real. Right. You were in denial. Denial is not. And I was just about to say that that is something that we as black women do. Um, I don't want to lose any part of myself. And to think that you're going into renal failure Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to happen, you know. It's this can't be true, you know. So you try to avoid what your body is telling exactly. you, exactly, until you can't avoid it anymore. At that time, it's too late, you right. know. But there was no way around it. But it would have been nice to know at that time 
before the transplant and before the renal failure and before the diagnosis of of um, lupus, when I would go and renew my driver's license or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I would say what I was born with, I'm I'm taking with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never thinking that it was going to be me. Never, me, never. So yes. you bring up a, a great point. I want to talk a bit about um, why, like, what was that belief for you that you said, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to register to be a donor. I'm, I'm going to go out with what I came with. Where did that come from? Because that's something that we as a community, there are many of us who have that belief. There are many people who think that doctors are going to kill me for my organs, so I'm yes. not going to register. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm not, this is nothing against anyone else, but no, this me, is just, you, just be, you be honest was, and share your truth and what yeah. it was just ignorance. I was just ignorant. I felt like, you know, no one else need what God has blessed me with. He, he gave it to me. And when I leave, it's going with me. No one else needs it. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of how important it could be. I never thought about saving someone else's life with my organs. I never thought of that. It, Like I said, pretty much ignorance, not knowing what organ donation could really do for a person. Right. Well, you and, know. I, and I can share, I didn't register to be a donor until probably in my late 20s. And it, because as a teenager, I had, I had such a fear of death that I never wanted to think about it. And so like thinking about being an organ donor to me equal death. And so I was like, yep, no, I'm not thinking about it. Okay. And it wasn't until I, you know, I started to meet like a good friend of mine, her father received a kidney transplant. And so then I started to kind of understand and, and you get older and you just, you realize none of us is getting out of here a lot, a lot. Right. You know, when you're young, you just think I'm going to live forever. And I'm, but, yes, but so, exactly. but yeah, so I feel like what you're saying, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have may have held that belief or have that belief. Yeah. So Sarah, what about you? Now, as for me, like I said, being in the medical field, mm-hmm. might be telling my age, dating our way back to being a candy striper. Oh, yeah, I read the, wore the little really? red and white candies. Yeah, the little red and white little dresses with the white stockings. And uh, yeah, I might be dating myself. Of course, she, of course, <laughs> of course she was a candy striker, Renee. Uh, yes, yes. Fort Thomas VA nursing home. Yes, ma'am. Really? Yes, that's where I started. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Yes, ma'am. So as my, my, if you want to say my career in medicine yeah. evolved, yeah. I got to understand the purpose. Mm-hmm of organ donation. And then mm-hmm. there was a, a a young man on my street. Mm-hmm. I should say an older man, because he was more like a, a big brother to me mm-hmm. who actually had a kidney transplant. Okay. And so that really made me want more. And so I learned more and more and more. And I was having conversations with individuals about, you know, organ donations. Now we can't do that because, you know, if we if we have it on our, our driver's license, you know, the, the hospital will kill us so they can give up. And then I always used to think, no, that's not right. That's not, yeah. That, that's not it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once I became one of those persons that would need such an organ, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like all of these 
stories that I grew up on, it's like, where did it come from? Right. Where, why? And they stay in families why? for generations. It's like, it's, even in my own family, yeah. you know, I had to sit people down and let them know, listen, just because, yeah. first of all, just because you say that you're a donor and it happened to be on your driver's license or your ID, that don't mean that you're going to make it. Right. That doesn't. That does not mean you're going to make it. And so if you do make it to the hospital, the doctor don't know whether you're going to make it or not. And he, and he can't pronounce you. Guess what? Somebody got to come behind him. So just because this one doctor say, Sarah's gone, that don't mean she gone. And y'all got to keep, they have to keep me together until somebody else can confirm that. Right. So thinking that because it's on your driver's license and if you go into the hospital, how would the doctor know? They, that don't mean nothing. And that's what I, I would say to people when I would, would talk to different groups, you know, no one in a hospital is going to go rifling through your pants pockets or your wallet to look and see, oh, they're a donor. That's just not how it works. You know, a doctor and a medical team, their only duty and responsibility is to save Save a life. Absolutely. And the donation pieces, that's that's secondary. And it's not until death has been declared, Mm -hmm. like you said, Sarah, that that becomes part of the end of life conversation. And so I think it's so important for people to really step back and realize that that is the absolute truth. No one is going to be killed for their organs. And and it's, and that just, you know, and it's kind of funny, you know, it's like, well, if, what if I'm, you know, I'm in a car accident and I'm on I-71, let me tell you something, baby. If you didn't die in university hospital, right. you ain't no good nowhere. Right. You have to be on a ventilator. Yeah, you, you're no good anyway. Right. You know, so just because right. you're a donor, it don't yeah. mean anything. It's actually a very rare opportunity for someone to be a donor because most people don't die from traumatic brain injuries. And that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, you have to have had a non-survivable brain injury. Right. And that's only about 1% of the deaths that occur. So it's yeah. really... And that's why I think both of you are such a, a wonderful testament to the gift of donation, because not everyone gets that opportunity to receive, to receive an organ. And, and not yeah. only that, to receive it with someone that you can grow with. Which I love. Oh. That's what makes your story just so special. You know. <laughs> Renee's over here blowing kisses <laughs> on this on this computer you know, screen. You know, I just I just because so people sweet. don't people don't realize. I mean, you know, it's to say that it's easy, I'll be telling a lie. Right. Right. But to know that I have this lady on the other side of the screen, I can only see a shadow of her. I can only see a shadow. <laughs> you know. That gives me, that gives me strength. You know, yes, I have my family. Yes, I do. I have my little people. Yes, I do. But I have Renee. And I, I don't know if I can actually put that into words. Because you guys walk well, this journey together. I mean, we, we, we yes, when they we say did. we walk the walk, talk the talk. Okay, we've done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what I was about to share, Sarah, is when we would have our little bumps in a row, it was always at the same time. Isn't that something? We would always end up at the hospital. Either one was coming, one was leaving, or we were there at the same time. But either way it went, if she came in at 12, I was in 1201. And then they would say, your sister down the hall. And, and we was always being practically in the same rooms. 
all the time. And the doctors would be scratching their heads. You know, the kidneys are in different bodies, but it's reacting the same way in both of us. And that's something. And you know what? One of the things I love about both of you is you both strike me as being these strong, independent, God-fearing women. And so I know going through this journey, as you kind of were alluding to earlier, Renee, it's like, you know, as Black women, we're, you know, trying to kind of keep it all together for family and this and that, just keep things moving. So this whole idea of being sick, it's like, uh uh-uh, that can't happen. But what a blessing for you both to have found each other, because then you became each other's kidney champions. You know what I mean? And that, and you need, I think you both needed that. Yeah. Right. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Most, most, de- most definitely. Cause you know what I still get noticed today from the billboards and magazines <laughs> and, and, and pencil holders in the BMV, you know, and, and people will ask me, well, how's your kidney sister? My sister. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Mm-hmm. She's as crazy as I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's as crazy as I am. She used to say that man and Robin. Hey, that woman. That woman. And and Robin. Robin Nett. That was it. I was Robin Nett. Robin Nett. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I love it. I love it. So if you had an opportunity to say something to your donor's family, what would you say? Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. It's, Go ahead. it's because I don't know if there's any words around to explain that mm-hmm. because they didn't have to. They did not have to, but they did. They didn't know us from a, a, a bag of black eyed peas, mm-hmm. but they said yes, which allowed me and Renee to be here today. Mm-hmm. So other than breaking down and crying and falling into one of their arms, I wouldn't know what I, I, I honestly would not know what to say. There's really no, there's it, it, really no words. It's really there are no words. And I there and I all the time I think about that. Because I remember no. when we did our first letter. Remember when we wrote our first letter, Renee? Yeah. That yeah. was so hard to do. And there's no thank you big enough to show your appreciation, how grateful you allowed me to have a second chance mm-hmm. at life. And y'all know, you guys know who I am. I boohoo all the time. And just talking about it brings tears to my eyes because they had to lose someone in order for us to continue to live the life that we're living. And I would just want them to know <laughs> that their loved one is is living in us and, and, and we're doing great. We're doing awesome. <laughs> if anything, they probably, they probably, uh, these, these kidneys is probably saying, I wish you girls to slow down. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. Got things to do. Out running in them streets. I, I got things to do. So <laughs> no. you might as well keep up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, gosh, talk about what it's so, since your transplant, cause I, I'd have to, especially Renee being on dialysis prior to, I would imagine there were some limitations for you. Um, what, what is it that you're doing now? That, limitations? Yeah, right. Limitations? Right. What is it that you can do now, now that you've been given this second chance of life? Travel. 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 Yes. You can, well, with the COVID, traveling is not as, but at that time, you know, you was, I was stuck to a machine three days a week 
week for uh, three to four hours a, a day. day. Yes. That will wipe and you out. All, all I could do is come home and sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't even a hundred pounds back then. Look at me now. <laughs> I said, you see? But, you know. Baby got back. That's all I'm saying. Baby got back. <laughs> things that she, we couldn't do. I couldn't even hold my head up after leaving yeah. dialysis. I'm, oh, you know, my goodness. I'm too exhausted to talk on the phone just to tell your family members, you know, all you can say is I'm okay it's and hang hit. up the phone. Um, my, my daily, my day was I would get up, take a shower, go to dialysis. Mm-hmm. Once I leave dialysis, I came home. Sometimes I couldn't even eat. Mm-hmm. I was that weak. Mm-hmm. You know, you're limited with your fluids and mm-hmm. just everything. It was you just know, limited. I, I mean, you I, know, I can I can eat what I want to eat now mm-hmm. in moderation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I can drink as much as I want to drink now, and I'm not limited anymore. And it's great. It's wonderful. Um, it, it is because to come home from dialysis and I would come through the door and thank goodness that my couch was right there because that's where I landed until the next morning. So yep. eating, mm-mm. drinking, mm-mm. you know, I had to make myself. And then by the time I was, was, was a little bit back, it was time to go back to dialysis. Mm-hmm. Were and were you going three days a week as well? Three so, days a week. Yeah. And then with me and dialysis, me and my my ports, I went through my my first, let me say my first 15 weeks of this stuff. I was in surgery. And then I said, time out. Time out. But peritoneal dialysis, oh me, we were friends. Yeah. Me and peritoneal dialysis, we were friends. Yeah. That enabled me to go back to work. I produced public access television. I went mm-hmm. back to doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, the girl is back. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, and I haven't stopped since I had yeah. transplant. I've become Sarah, that person that I became. Mm-hmm. And I always knew, I can say, honestly, Andy, I always knew that the beginning of my story was not my story. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was supposed to be going through something, but I knew that being on dialysis and feeling the way I was feeling and this and any other that was not my story it was not yeah. i was going through these things to get to where i am and i still don't know what my story is mm-hmm. even though i'm still out there and i'm advocating and all that, i still yes. don't know what that is but i knew that that's not mm-hmm. that was not me and that was not what i was placed on this earth to be i knew that from day one right after i came to the realization dr tram was going he was going to box with his sister. You know, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, but I knew that what I was going through, I had to go through that for a reason. So I didn't complain. My family didn't know. And I remember you saying that. And they what, had no clue. Was there a reason why you didn't share with them? Because my, my mother was going through what she was going was, through. Yeah. And so what I did was once I finally got that, that word that I was going to need it. Mm-hmm. Then I said I had to be a big girl mm-hmm. and I had to tell everyone. So I had a picnic at my big brother's house, mm-hmm. get everybody fit and fat and, and then let them know that. Fat and happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> let them know, including drinking. Now get, right. the, get yeah. the spirits, get the spirits. Joy juice. Joy juice. 
you know, that, you know, your sister is in need of a kidney. The only thing that is wrong with her is that she needs a kidney. Sweepy is still sweepy. And that look I got on my younger brother's, uh, I still see it. it. And it makes me want to cry. What makes me want to tear up right now? It's like, I just lost my mom. Mm. Can't you know, lose, can't lose and at that point, I was like, oh, no, I, I, I knew that, that, you know, what I was going through was not my story. Well, and you say that and it is just in getting to know you both over the last few years. I feel like part of your purpose is really, again, you guys are so truthful and honest about what was happening with you. And again, I think there's so many people who Instead of doing that, because I think when you when you're vulnerable and you open up to people and you share your journey, more people then can say, oh, yeah, that's what's going on with me right now. My hope by having you on today is someone listening is going to say, you know what, I got to get aggressive about about taking care of my health and, you know, the steps I need to go through to address if I do have hypertension and diabetes, you know, those That's my hope is that I I truly think that you're inspiring a lot of people to share their truth and they they don't have to suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. No, you just have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. And also you have to not feel guilty Mm -hmm. because I did for a long time. I did. I felt guilty, especially after transplant. I did. I Mm -hmm. felt, I was like, and what did you feel guilty about? about me having a second chance Mm -hmm. because I know that there were people that have been on that list longer than I had Mm -hmm. but like my sister had said to me and many other people have said to me what God has for you he has for you it don't matter what somebody else is going through and that took me a long time to come to grips with Mm -hmm. it really did and now I don't have a problem with it all none (laughs) but I understand if someone else who has probably recently gone through what I have gone through would feel that way. Cause I did, I, I never thought that I would feel guilty about, you know, because for me, it was less than 90 days. Right. I remember it was less than 90 days after I was, I was placed on the list in, in late August, early September. And I get the phone call in December. But that also means you were very sick. I was. You were very, very sick. But you couldn't tell it because once I got right. start doing peritoneal dialysis, I'm out. I, I'm girl, me and that little red car was gone. Me and that little red two-seater was gone. <laughs> <laughs> you had to catch us. Right. You know, you had to catch us. But like I said, I always knew that what I was going through was not the end. Right. For me. It wasn't even near the middle. I knew there was more in store for me in life than. Have, have either of you ever had the opportunity to kind of reach back and, and talk to other patients going through similar circumstances? And I just, I see you both being so supportive. I go back to my center. You I go back to my di- center. I oh, go back there. Oh, your dialysis I go center? back there. Um, and like I said, um, when I'm in Kroger's or Walmart's or mm-hmm. wherever, wherever somebody sees me or I get a phone call from someone at work or family member saying, hey, I need you to talk to such and such. I think that's so important. Yeah, um, I went back a couple of times to the dialysis center after I received my kidney. But like um, my sister said, that guilt, I felt bad. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw people that was in there with me 
And I felt like, are you showing off? You know, I, I just wanted them to know that you're next. You're well, next you also, in line. Yeah. That's giving them hope, too, mm-hmm. because I, I could only imagine doing dialysis three days a week, particularly with the hemodialysis. It's got to be depressing. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've heard stories of people that are just they 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 give up and they yeah. say you know what I'm just going to do dialysis I don't even want a kidney transplant and so for you both to walk back in there and say hey I did this it was you know it's not an easy road but you're telling people they're worth it you're worth it they are they really are and I have had uh, requests from other dialysis centers from from people just calling you know because. When I first went in, I am not going to lie. This is the first time I ever had an anxiety attack. Really? And my oldest brother went with me. And I'm looking at that machine and I'm looking up at him. And then I'm looking at them. I'm just looking around and I'm like, okay, I got to get Steve out of here. I got to get him out of here mm-hmm. because I'm about to lose. I got that. It took me forever to get him out, but pushed him out. And I did. I had to breathe into a bag because I started hyperventilating. Was what was it? Because I'm looking at this machine, like it just brought back. It's just like this. I have to be hooked up to this machine to live, and I was like, no. I I believe that's probably my mother and my grandmother coming out of me. I'm like, no, you know. And I'm like, no. And then they coming at me with them big old. Y'all ain't sticking me with that. Y'all better do something because y'all ain't getting. (laughs) You know. So it was it was hard, and then to do that three, four times. Some people have to do it every day. Mm-hmm. At least I got a, we got a break every now and then, but they have to do it every day and they are still doing it, but they yeah. just need to know, keep the faith. There's, there's hope. You got to keep, the, keep faith. the faith. You know, one of the things is, is I've been doing just a lot of research and reading um, about particularly kidney donation and, and as it, how it impacts people of color. And one of the things that jumped out to me is there is such a drastic difference in the number of Caucasian people who are able to find living donors compared to African-Americans. And it's just, I mean, it, it's, and, and African-Americans are most in need of kidney transplants. However, and that's, that's my question. What do you think that's about? I think it's about, we, maybe it's a pride thing. We don't want to ask for help, but that's just my opinion. I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, when, when I was into renal, when I went into renal failure, I felt like my family has like my nieces that's around my age and my nephews, everyone has health issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if it's not high blood pressure, it's diabetes. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me to, to say, okay, well, I had people say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out, you know, in my family, but I didn't want it because mm-hmm. my thing is you're on a brink just as well as I am to go in and to renal failure because you don't want to keep your diabetes under control and you don't want to keep your hypertension under control. So it was hard for me to want to ask my family members because I already knew or even to accept right even though they offered you, you did you not feel comfortable like maybe going inside like your church community or other affiliations that you have was it just something you you just weren't ready or well 
like we was talking about earlier, it was like, you don't need to know what's going on in my household or. Well, because that's my- how many of us were raised. Yeah. And I, I felt like, you know, sometimes in the church, if you say you're sick, I'll, they said, uh, don't claim that. Don't claim that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be healed. You can be healed. You know, just don't claim it. God can fix it. And I knew the state that I was in. And at that time, me going to dialysis three days a week, I wasn't hearing that. You know, I it was like what God has for me when it comes, it comes. You know, I, I didn't want to ask anyone, even though I was a member of the church and mm-hmm. I was truly involved in whatever was going on. I was an usher. I tried to be there every Sunday just to give God thanks for allowing me to still be on this earth, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, that's it, a, that's a really interesting uh, point that you bring up because that's yeah. not something that I had ever even thought of. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my reason why. And what about you, sweet pea? <laughs> well, you know, for, for me, once it got out that, I was in need. Mm-hmm. My church, my job, my family, everyone started coming together. Okay. You know, and so, and, and that really surprised me coming from the African-American community. Right. Because if anything like, oh, no, you don't want to do that. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where that person's being. But I'm like this, if God is going to heal me, he's not going to bring me no dirt. Right. He's not going to bring me to a door and slam it in my face. He's not going to hurt me. He's going, he's to, not heal going me. to heal me. Right. He's not going to, he's not, you know, I don't care where it comes from. Right. If he wants me to have it, I'm going to take it. So that was my attitude. I didn't even really have to go out and start reaching out to anyone. Cause my thing was, okay, I'm letting everybody know. You would think I had announced it on the channel 12, 1964, everybody news. Cause by the time I got home after the little, little picnic I had for my family, mm-hmm. my phone start ringing off the hook. Oh. I'm like, I didn't have no Facebook posts or anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was like, and not only did I have people reaching out um, for me, that was, you want to say my circle, my community, mm-hmm. but people from across the country now that 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 tripped me out wow. wow that really tripped me out mm-hmm. and then I'm like is these people for real or they playing with me <laughs> I you know I got to I really got to thinking about it and then at at one point I just stopped because at that point it was like every week channel 12 or 20 channel 9 was talking about somebody who was in need of a kidney mm-hmm. or someone who had just gotten a kidney and I kept saying I'm next mm. Wow. Every time I saw or I heard that, I said, I'm next. And then that next came, didn't it? Sure did. And you got a bonus sister. I did. That was, that was a, you're talking about, that's the best Christmas I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys been able to get together regularly? Not since COVID. COVID. The last time we were together, we was at Northgate no. Park. Your house. That's right. She came to visit me because I had oh. my my um. You had I had official ligation. I had official okay. ligation, okay. and that plant is grow is growing like crazy. <laughs> it's growing like crazy. Yes, put it in that one spot and has not moved. It's growing like crazy. But the last time people, if you want to say we was out somewhere, we met on our anniversary. Oh. 
your kidney anniversary. Yeah. I kidney anniversary. <laughs> Yeah. At Northgate, Aww. I got yeah. the picture. Got oh, the picture. Yes, yes. We went. We had dinner. Yes, oh, we did. Awesome. And so I wanted to do something this year, but with COVID, once again, COVID is getting on my nerve. COVID got to go. Oh, and we also um, a little after our first year together, we had got our families together. Yep, we got oh, our family yeah. together. Yeah, we got a family together. Yeah, we had a party at her house. It was Aww. party at Sarah's house. Oh yeah, Aww. we did. And our family members was asking us. My my nephew asked me. He was like, "Amy, did she give you the kidney?" I was like, "No, baby. We both received kidneys mm-hmm. from a donor. I have what, the left kidney, and she has the right kidney." Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, see, you never know. You never know. Yeah, and they ask about her all the time. Wow, oh. and we it, also like my sister. picnics together. She she threw a picnic. Yeah, picnic. That picnic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, you know, every time I I be doing something, I be like, Renee. She said, "Here I come." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> here I come. Guess we can't have one. Thick we can't have thieves. one without the other. You can't yeah. have one without the other. You just can't. So I know I could sit and talk to you both for hours, but I know. <laughs> um, so as we as we conclude, is there anything that that either of you would like to say? I would like to say for those that are waiting, keep the faith, because if it happened for me, it happened for Renee, it can happen for you. And don't feel as though you do have a a chronic condition as renal failure that you don't you don't live. There's there's a whole world out here. Every time it's not a death sentence. Every time you you open your eyes, maybe we need to hang out a little bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But every time you open up your eyes, you should be giving thanks and keeping it moving. I hear my mother in my head all the time talking about Sarah Vanessa, keep it moving. So Sarah Vanessa keeps it moving. That's right. Miss Renee. Yes. Well, I just wanted to share how important it is for organ donation, period. Um, It's so many people out there that's in need. And, you know, all you have to do is just sign your name and you can save so many lives, you know, and it's it's just that we're here because someone decided to sign their name. Mm-hmm. And without that, I can't say I would be here talking to you today. Right. So I just want people to know how important it is for donation period. It's so many people out there that needs help. Right. And that's all we're asking. And, we can't, and as you were talking about earlier about, and myself too, we can't allow ignorance to be the barrier to why we don't do it. Yeah, exactly. We, we can't. We can't. And to piggyback on that, and we don't have to wait until we transition to donate. That's right. We don't have to wait. There are people that can be coming off the list right now by the thousands. If we just go to the hospitals and say, hey, this is what I would like to do yep. and do it. Right. We only need one. That's right. And you can function just fine. And you can, we're functioning fine with one. We are living proof that you can do well with just one. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to wait 
let's not wait until we transition. Do it now. Right. Well, ladies, I'm so sad that we have to <laughs> conclude, but we do. You should see that face. You should see your face. But my takeaway today is you both, you represent hope for so many people. And um, I thank you for that. I thank you both for being so open and honest about, you know, what was happening with you, you know, and your health challenges that, that brought you to the place of needing a transplant. Because like I said, I think by having these kind of conversations, it's going to encourage more people to be more proactive about their health, um, mm-hmm. be more aggressive about their health care. I want people to not be afraid to ask questions because they think it might be a dumb question of their doctor or medical provider. Like, this is your life. You've got to manage your life. You can't be afraid to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And so I think both of you represent, you just have this tenacity about you um, that I appreciate and this courage. And so I really want to thank you both for joining. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I know I'll have you back at some point. Just so now. And you know, thank God, because without God, we would not be here. We wouldn't be here today. So, and as as we're moving into Thanksgiving, this, this couldn't be a better better time for us to talk so I'm glad this this all happened the way it was supposed to yes so thank you so as I close today's show I really want you to think about the fact that there are more than 90,000 men women and children in need of life-saving kidney transplants in our country today and we had the opportunity and just the good fortune to talk with Sarah and Renee and learn about their journey. And I do appreciate them sharing. But let's get back to that number, 90,000 people. That is a lot of people. Those are people that we know who live in our communities, have children, grandchildren, our husbands, wives, partners, and are trying to live purposeful and fulfilling lives and leave this world a better place for the generations to come. So what can you do to help? Well, if you're not registered, I really encourage you to seek out information that is true and research what being a donor really means. Speak with a medical professional or someone you trust or someone who's gone through the donation experience as either a donor family member, a recipient, or a living donor, because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. We've got to share information and get information that is based solely on facts and not fiction. You can also register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor and learn about being a living kidney donor. Because again, the vast majority of the 106,000 people waiting are people waiting for life-saving kidney transplants. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank my guests again for being here today. And again, please be kind to yourselves and to others. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. 
Go to lifepassiton.org for more information. Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.